Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. <coughs> Today we continue our <coughs> study of the second book of Kings, that is, Malachim <coughs> Bez. Uh, we are up to Parak Hay, that is chapter 5. We are working our way through the career of the prophet Elisha. And we saw in the last chapter four several miracles that um, Elisha had done. And we seem to be moving through a progression of Elisha moving from uh, miracles that were kind of localized, localized within his own circle, within the circle of the B'nai Hanavim, of the prophets, the student prophets that Elisha was leading, and slowly moving into wider and wider circles where the, his miracles benefit um, the larger public. As we enter and study chapter 5 together, we're going to see uh, an entirely new miracle, which is someone outside of Israel altogether. So, remember, Elisha now is residing in Shomron, which is the capital of Israel, and he is therefore there as the prophet to the northern kingdom. The prophet of God to the northern kingdom. The king of the northern kingdom at this time is Yehoram, who is a son of Ahav, and he is a idolatrous king, a king who is um, uh, completely, uh, you know, continuing in the sins of Yeravam, as we learned before, and not heeding the word of God. Vinaaman and Naaman, this we're being introduced to a new person named Naaman, Sartseva Melacharam. He was the the chief of the army, the uh, general of the army for the king of Aram. Aram, we know, Aram is uh, roughly in modern-day Syria. We know that Aram is an enemy of Israel, and there's constantly battles back and forth. We're going to see some more soon, and we've seen some before. So he's basically the general of the of the uh, rival kingdom to northern to Israel. Ishkadol, he was a great man, so he was a great leader, Adonav, before his master, in other words, the king of Aram. Unesufanim, he had great favor in the eyes of the king. Because it was through him that God brought victory to Aram. This this verse here leads leads the um, rabbis to assume that Naaman may have been the soldier who was killed Ahav. Remember the war between Aram and Ahav, uh, and Ahav was killed by a soldier's arrow. Um, but so, or you know, so he may have been that king. That is how the tradition teaches. But uh, even if he wasn't, uh, you know, the simple meaning of the verse is that he must have led victory against the people of, of, of Israel. So Naaman was therefore high up in the king's court. However, he had a big problem. He was a great mighty warrior, Mitzorah, but he was a leper. So he had a terrible skin disease, whatever exactly we're calling it, leper, as if it's leprosy, some sort of skin disease called Tzara'at. Now, the Aram Yatz Ugidudim, it just it so happened that the uh, Aram had uh, sent out a raiding party against Israel, not clear exactly when this occurred, but it's not really that relevant. They captured from Eretz Yisrael Na'arokitana, a young girl, and she was taken as a slave, and she was assigned to serve the wife of Naaman. So here we have a young uh, girl from Israel who was captured and enslaved, and she's serving in the house of Naaman. 
Patomer al Gavirta, and she said to her mes- mistress, to the woman who she was serving, Achale Adoni, Lifnei Hanavi Asher Bishomron. I wish, right? Achale is I have I, I I I would if only my master, meaning the 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 man of the house, would go to that pro- to the prophet who is in Shomron. Because if he would do that, he would be able to cure him of his leprosy. And the Mepharshim, notably Rashi, point out this language of Ye'esof, to gather him from his Torah, it seems to indicate that Torah, leprosy, was something that caused people to be put out of society, as we know from the Torah. And this practice was apparently not only as mandated by the Torah, but it must have been practiced uh, by many in the ancient world understanding that there's an element of of uh, contagion here and yes so he will be we can gather him back in from his sorat we can make him no longer a leper because she can go to the navi and he would cure him uh this young girl exactly what her intention she's a slave girl she why would she offer to help her master of course there's many reasons why she would do that to gain favor from his eyes maybe to gain some favors in the household or maybe hoping that if uh if this naaman uh, would if her master would get cured by by her words and especially get cured by someone from the land of israel maybe somehow she could parlay that into some form of freedom and go back home so, but obviously these are words not in the verses. It's just something that we can speculate about. But so she certainly had, we can think of any reasons why she would have incentive to help out her master. So Naaman heard about this and he went and he told his master, meaning the king of Aram, as follows. This young girl said this such and such and such, right? Asher Eretz Yisrael, that girl that's from the land of Israel that we captured, she said such and such. In other words, she said that I should go to, to this, this uh, prophet and that he could heal me. So maybe there's some hope in this. Now remember, Naaman, of course, is living in the society of where paganism is rampant. Uh, and even in Israel, pagan is rampant, paganism is rampant. And the assumptions are that different gods have different powers. Their prophets have different powers uh, and they can tap into the powers of the gods so maybe maybe this god can cure leprosy by yomer melech aram so the king of aram said lech bo go ahead and you uh and i will send a scroll you know a letter to the king of israel in which we will i will ask um uh, you know that he helps you or that he enlists the prophet the assumption being here that just like I am the king of Aram and I have my prophets with my gods, the king of Israel probably has a good relationship with his prophet and it would be a proper respect for a king to communicate with a king as opposed to a king communicate directly with a prophet. So I'll communicate with the king and he'll know exactly what to do. Right? And he went and he took with him, along with, of course, the letter from the king to the king of Israel, he took with him Eser Kikrei Kesef, 10 uh, talent, as some measurement of silver, a significant amount of silver, Visheshet Alafim Zahav, and 6,000 pieces of gold, the Eser Khalifos Bigadim, and 10 
um, uh, articles of clothing, changes of clothing, literally changes of clothing. So, so expensive clothing, gold and silver, he took with him to offer to the prophet. Because in a pagan's mind, how does one, what does one do? One has to bring an offering to the um, to the uh, uh, to the prophet's god and to the and pay off of course the prophet himself so uh, what better way to do that than with gold silver and fancy clothing so so he brought the letter to the king of Israel um, which said and the letter said as follows now when this letter reaches your hands, I am sending to you my servant Naaman so that you can cure him of his leprosy. <laughs> so the king of Aram assumed, there's a lot of irony here. The king of Aram assumed the God of Israel is God, as we know, Hashem. Uh, and um, and and uh, just, you know, I have a good relationship, me, uh, the king of Aram has a good relationship with my prophet and my God. So he would clearly know exactly what I mean. He would go to his prophet who worships his God, right, in, in Israel. And, and however, the king of Israel, as we know, is not loyal to his God and has no relationship or actually has a negative relationship with the prophet Elisha. So it didn't even occur to him right that he should that that what the that what the king of Aram meant was to get the prophet involved and thereby heal him the king it only it didn't even occur to him he assumed that the king of Aram was telling the king of Israel to cure Naaman so he the thing that comes to his mind is that's ridiculous how can i cure him right it's just it's 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 interesting how the the the, the verses are pointing this out to us so we should get a sense of just how bad the situation was in Israel and how idolatrous the king of Israel was and how bad the relationship between him and God and God's prophet was that he didn't even think that this is what the... So that the person from outside of Israel assumes that the relationship is good, but the person in Israel himself, the king of Israel himself, has no... No relationship at all. So when he read this letter, he tore his clothing. Am I a God that I should give life and death? I'm, I'm just a king, right? Am I a God? I have no control over these things, right? That I should be get this message from him, that he should send me a message that I should cure someone from Tzorat. There must be some ill motive here. He is trying to uh, catch me. He's trying to lay a trap for me so that I can get caught, right? He, somehow he'll say, you, you didn't cure him, you didn't do anything, and thereby have an excuse to attack me and, and ruin me. The, the, it didn't even occur to him to call Elisha. Some understand, like the Radak, that, that it may, even if it did occur to him, he was likely um, too ashamed to call, to call Elisha, to come on to Elisha for help. However, this, um, the king tearing his clothes and being upset and angered this way 
is news that travels. So, of course, the prophet hears about it. Verse 8, When Elisha, the man of God, the prophet of, prophet of God, heard the news, that the king of Israel tore his clothing, and he sent to the king the following message, Why did you tear your clothes? Why are you doing that? Let him come to me, and then he will find out that there is a prophet in Israel. Just because you think there's no prophet doesn't mean there isn't a prophet. I'm here. Apparently, <coughs> Elisha had connections in the king's house, and he could get his word into the king. If we remember, when Elisha stayed by a woman in the last chapter and asked if he could help her, he said, can I help you by maybe talking to the king? So apparently, Elisha had this relationship that he was there, and nonetheless, the king didn't even think to consult him and didn't even think that that's what the king of Aram had in mind. So Elisha goes ahead and tells the king, send him to me. Now, um, one would assume that what happened then was the king of Israel said, why don't you go to Elisha and see what he can do for you? We don't have that in the verse. Uh, just the next verse simply says, that Naaman then came with his horses and his riders, and he stood outside the home of Elisha. So however it was, whether the king sent him or Naaman heard that Elisha was looking for him, and, and, and uh, therefore Naaman went, because Naaman, remember, knew that ultimately the purpose of his coming was to see Elisha, was to see the prophet, not to see the king of Israel. Regardless, we know that Naaman now made it to the house of Elisha. So, Elisha Malach Lemar. So, Elisha sent to um, a, a messenger to Naaman, who was outside the, his house, a messenger saying as follows: So, Elisha didn't even appear himself. Now, this is crucial because here Naaman is a general of a of a of a of the major kingdom. He's a he's a literally as we described before a big guy you know a famous prominent figure and Elisha doesn't even bother to come out and talk to him right he says wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and then your flesh your skin will then come back to the way it's supposed to be and you will be pured purified of and uh, in other words of this of this illness of the skin illness and you will be cured I remember what what uh, Naaman was expecting was since Elisha is a prophet prophet of God he would come out he would he would make some pronouncements remember that Elisha comes you know I remember Eliyahu on the top of our Hakarmel who was an entire process in front of so many people and and bringing fire from heaven lots of spectacle lots of drama making saying prayers and incantations and maybe dancing and maybe cutting oneself and bringing sacrifices and so on and so forth Elisha number one didn't ask for any offerings didn't ask for any money which is very important and he didn't do any of that he just gave him a cure he said go wash in the Jordan River um now, whether one, you know, the, the, so, so Elisha knew that that Jordan River would cure him, whether it through some miraculous means or some kind of medical means is, is not relevant to, you know, but the point being that, you know, Elisha, it's being presented here as Elisha knowing this knowledge and, 
and thereby performing this miracle of the cure. So Vayiktsof Naaman Vayelach. So Naaman got very angry and he left. Vayomer and he said, remember Naaman is now still thinking like a pagan. And he said, Hine Amarti Eli Yetzei Yatso, right? So, uh, so Vayomer, it literally means, and he said, but this is often used when someone thinks something. It doesn't, when it says something, but it's not directed to anyone else, it generally is interpreted to mean, and he thought to himself, right? So Naaman is thinking to himself, Hine Amarti Eli Yetzei Yatso, right? I thought to myself, that certainly he's going to come out and he's going to stand and he's going to call out by the, God, the, by the name of God, his God, right? By the name of the Lord, his God, right? So in other words, remember, Naaman is still thinking like a pagan here, that he has his God and his God has some kind of a power. And then he would somehow wave his hand towards this place, maybe towards the place of where he's worshiping God, and then, or maybe wave it over me, where the, I'm, because I'm the affected one, and then my, my, the, my being a leper would be, would be cured. The parts of me that are leprous would be cured. So, so in other words, I thought he's going to do some, some whole kind of ceremony, just like everyone does with gods. Meanwhile, all he's doing is telling me a cure. He's telling me to go to the Jordan River and wash. So what is this? Halo tov amano ufar par narosta mesek. The the um is aren't is aren't the rivers of Amona and Parpar, which are the rivers that run through Damascus, which is the capital of Aram. Mikol me Yisrael, aren't they even better than all of the waters of Israel? Halo erchatz bohem If all I needed was to wash in a river, I could have washed in those rivers. and and he left angry and upset. So. Uh, like, what kind of business is this, right? I came here with all this money, with all this stuff, because I expected the prophet to perform a whole thing, a whole ceremony, and make me better. And he didn't even come out to talk to me. He didn't look at me. All he said was he sent me a message, go go jump in the river. Like, what's up with that? So, love. So his servants said to him, they came up to him and they said, listen, Vayomru. And it's it's possible that they didn't even hear what he said, I mean, cause, you know, because those thoughts were expressed on his own, right? What he's thinking, but they see him leaving angry, and they assume that you know he's upset that the, uh, you know, that the prophet didn't do anything and didn't cure him. So they said, "Vayomru Avi," and they said to him, uh, literally, "Avi" means my father, but but Avi it could also mean. Um, our leader, right, um, or or some kind of a um, I've seen it translated as sir, as some kind of a a, a honorific um, a, a title, it's similar to remember Elisha himself called Eliyahu Avi Avi, right, my father, my father, even though he wasn't literally a father, it's just as an honorific way of referring to him. Davar Gadol Hanavidi Beri Lecha, there was a had the Navi, had the prophet told you something great and big, in other words, let's say the prophet told you some crazy thing, like wear these amulets, dance around a certain rock seven times, and um, uh, you know, eat these crazy foods, and sit on your head for 25, uh, for 10 days, or some, some crazy thing he could have asked you to do, wouldn't you do it, right? In other words, 
are you scared to do it? He's saying, So so certainly, if when he all he tells you is go wash in the Jordan and you'll be purified of your illness, right? So go do it. Like, what do you have to lose, right? He, if he, you were expecting a whole spectacle, a whole thing. So he's not telling you a whole spectacle. He's telling you to go wash in the Jordan. So go wash in the Jordan. What do you have to lose? If you would have done something big and wild, do something simple. All it takes is a little swim. So Vayered Vayitbol. So he went down to the Jordan River and he and he immersed himself and dunked into the river Bayardin in the Jordan Sheva Pamim seven times. Kidvar Isha him, just like the prophet had told him. Vayoshav Bisoro Kivsar Naar Katon Vayitar. And his and his uh, skin returned to its um, youth as if just like the skin of a young boy and it became pure. So he was completely cured of his Torah. So at this point, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to stop here and do the second half of the chapter in the next podcast. But just think for a moment at this time exactly what it is that Naaman, Naaman who is a smart guy, and we're going to learn that, he's thinking... I didn't sacrifice anything to this God. I'm an enemy, right? I'm not just an enemy. I'm an enemy that's enslaving a, a, a captive girl that I took from the people of Israel, right? Elisha gets nothing out of this, right? No, none, right? Elisha, not only does he not get money out of this because he didn't ask me for a dime, right? But he, he didn't even get, like, he didn't put on a show. Like, he didn't put on a spectacle, right? People could look at this and simply think that the river of Jordan has some kind of healing properties and anyone can go wash in the river. Like, he didn't do anything to bring any honor to himself. Didn't do anything to bring, any, you know, most, uh, you know, he would think of what the, the prophets would have some kind of selfish, um, selfish uh, motive Elisha had no selfish motive whatsoever, completely and totally um, humble and, 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 and said, just go wash in the Jordan. So what, what's the most impressive thing over here? Of course, it's impressive to Naaman that he was cured. But what, what is he most impressed about? He's most impressed about the behavior of the prophet, the humility of the prophet, in the sense that the prophet didn't, didn't draw attention to himself, didn't make a whole pomp and circumstance, and didn't take a dime. This is what is going to be the lesson that's going to stick in Naaman. It's going to make uh, Naaman um, uh, be so, so, so impressed. There's something different here. Coming to the, the people of Israel and talking to their prophet was not just an experience of getting a cure, but getting a cure and learning something something that completely was different from everything Naaman knew about God's from his pagan past. I will actually read one more verse because then understanding this, we understand why Naaman says what he's about to do. Say in this next verse that I'm going to read, verse 15, So he went back, right? He didn't just go home because he could have just went home, all cured. But no, he went back to the prophet he and his entire camp, and he came, right? And he stood before Elisha Vayomer and he said, Behold, now I know. There is no God in the entire world, only in Israel. This is fascinating because he could have said, 
now I know that the God of Israel is the most powerful God, right? More powerful than ours because ours couldn't cure it. Or now I know that his God is the God of healing and can heal everything. No, no, he made a statement of monotheism. He realized the fallacy of paganism. That, that, that sacrifice to a God is not what brings anything about. God doesn't want anything from us. And God's representatives don't want anything from us. It's only in Israel where he could find this concept. This concept and this idea that, that God doesn't want from us anything. In other words, God doesn't need from us anything. And what he wants from us is our behavior. Please take some kind of gift from your servant. And of course, Elisha says, Vayomer chay Adonai, by the, by, as God lives, Asher amadati lefonav, that I stood in front of him, imekach, that I should take anything. Vayivtsar bo lakachas, and he pushed him to try to take vayimoein, and he refused. And I'm, now this is where I, I will stop. However, just to point out that Naaman seemed to be testing him. Is this real? Is this real? Is this real? And one would imagine that if Elisha would have taken it, then everything would have fallen apart. That statement of Naaman would have fallen apart. So we'll stop here and we'll do the second half of this chapter uh, together um, uh, in the next podcast. Thank you so much for studying uh, chapter 5a together with me. Looking forward to finishing this chapter in 5b, studying the rest of this book together. Have a wonderful day.